Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Celebrate this July 4th with a special presentation of A Capital Fourth. Join your host, Vanessa Williams, with performances from Sea to Shining Sea, starring Jimmy Buffett, Gladys Knight, Alan Jackson, Cynthia Erivo, Pentatonix, Renee Fleming, Train, Jennifer Nettles, Mickey Guyton, Jimmy Allen, Ali'i Cravalho, Laura Osnes, Ali Stroker, and the greatest live fireworks display in the USA. It's A Capital Fourth, sponsored by the Boeing Company and American Airlines, Sunday, July 4th, 8, 7 Central only on PBS. Hello, my name is David Hanrapley. And this is No Encore, the No Encore show. Is that right? Is that how he does it? I think it's pretty much nailed right Sounds there. Yeah. The No Encore <laughs> is number 114. Um, I am David Anthony Hanrapley, um, journalist who has never worked a day in journalism in his entire life. But nonetheless, I've been asked to sit in for David William Hanrapley um, on his sabbatical. How's he getting on? Does anyone know? I think he seems to be doing okay. Is he doing okay? He's settling into normal life. Normal life. This is this is normal for him now. <laughs> Uber normal life. Uh, that voice you just heard there is the Cork himself. Um, let me run through his uh, his CV here. Uh, ex of Hot Press. That's right. Um, a fiancé in his own right. That's correct. Colm O'Regan is here. I am indeed. And actually, as it happens, I've been on to... Um, Hanratty, as I say, he actually had a quick message for you if you'd like to read uh, this missive. The whole thing? Yeah, from the desk of. Okay. 
And sorry, we'll get to the other guests in a second, but as usual, David Hanratty interrupts her. So, from the desk of David William Hanratty Esquire, amidst the shattering of old ways came a new reality, a strange, curious world in which voices crashed out, searching for something greater than any of us could truly comprehend. In times of tremendous stress and uncertainty, only the most trusted could be counted upon to gather up the shields of soldiers fallen and carry them carry with them, excuse me, and carry with them the most fearless spirit, in tandem with a most devastating burden. Claire Beck, Dahi O'Droney, Andrea Cleary, Colm O'Regan, Craig Fitzpatrick, Eve Murray, heroes, all. And so I break my silence to provide raucous welcome to David Anthony Tapley, he of 27 years, and buffant curls, I don't know that word, to his inevitable and ultimate role as my usurper. I have nothing left to teach him, no guidance to impart, no favours to beg. Well, apart from one. Tapley, you have always struck me. And the no and the wider no encore audience, the Encoreans, if you will, I don't think they are referred to as that, as an honourable soul, one who understands the collapsing world around him and thus endeavours to act accordingly in the most sensitive of matters. As such, I must ask, nay, demand that you do the right thing and bar any and all mentions of Zara Hedeman from the podcast. This obviously includes her participation in the form of any kind of post-production audio drop-in and, most crucially of all, somehow taking the role of official co-host in Craig's absence. We have a reputation to uphold. Frankly, we're better than that. I know I can trust you. Kind regards. At Hanratty Dave. And with further no further ado or however we say that the uh our uh other guests on the show today is in fact zara hederman hey uh. this is not good is it <laughs> no well i knew that it was gonna be my last time on the show because i was actually threatened with that yesterday that i was <laughs> never allowed back on the show so i mean i'm happy that dave's not here for this so. yeah it's true i'm i'm surprised that Cra- well actually no i'm not surprised that craig isn't here because it's such a typical move for him isn't it mm. hanreddy takes a few weeks off then i go on holidays and then craig's like i want a week off too <laughs> uh, so he's stressed with college though to he's be fair. throwing his toys out of the pram yeah. is what craig is doing he's trying to advertise body spray and antiperspirant to like teenage boys so that's actually his project oh, yeah, okay. yeah. it's not, it's not <laughs> no that's not what he's doing in his spare time from college <laughs> so zara here uh, joins us from as a writer of uh, from the thin air from totally dublin and most recently uh, as a writer of the journal's culture mag how's mm-hmm. all that going Zara? it's all very good yeah very, very busy good. very tired but very tired yeah but always invigorated. Well, perk up for this, eh? No, I'm pumped. I am so pumped for this. Good. Not yeah. as pumped as all the people who were uh, waiting for Rolling Stones as my bus came in earlier. There's a lot of people walking by with their tongues on their t-shirts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I saw a lot of grey-haired people. Actually, I was in work at one stage today and I thought that uh, Ronnie Wood walked by and I got really excited. But then I was like, no, it's actually it's just, just a man. It's just an old woman. Yes. <laughs> um, speaking of massive overbloated shows, uh, night one of Ed Sheeran was last night. That's correct. And we were all there together. <laughs> I watched some Instagram stories of it and it just looked... Like I was fascinated kind of by like thing. some story this morning where people were like, "Oh, and like you know, there was a merch stand blocking my view," and it was mm. like, "No, you stood behind the sound desk." Well, interestingly oh, enough, my friend Kieran actually works at said merch stand right. and was giving us live updates last night, and they were very interesting. 
<laughs> like, where are people legit just standing there going, like, they were going crazy at him. They are going crazy at really? him. Yeah. Apparently, Sir Ronan was there with her mammy in the, in the sound booth. Oh, she is the Galway girl. She was, oh, she was in the right end of the sound desk, yes. though. Yeah. She could see. She wasn't shouting at poor Kieran. <laughs> but uh, he said it was genius. It was genius marketing move because they only let you bring in, like, a tiny, tiny bag. So everyone came in wearing shorts and t-shirts. And then when the sun went down, <laughs> the amount of edge here and uh, hoodies and sweaters that he sold was ridiculous. That's so, great that's work, unreal. actually, isn't it? Yes. I'm just, I was just stunned that he was still here. Because, like, I went on holiday. Like, he'd been in Cork. And I went mm-hmm. on holidays a few days later. And I was like, okay, you know, that happened. Mm-hmm. And then I came back. And he's still just traveling yeah. Ireland, peddling his wares. <laughs> Two, like 250,000 tickets sold. We weren't even a test cricket nation when he arrived. That's true. Yeah, the rain. Wow. Yeah. But we are now. We were we were trying to work out the maths of how much he's making off this because that's all I care about. He being, doesn't have being a, a band. Mu- being a musician, like, that's the thing. Being yeah. a musician myself, all I care about is the bottom line. <laughs> we think he's going to take home about 10 million euros. Ah, just yeah. from, from these dates from, alone. From these dates alone. That sounds very reasonable, yeah. I would think so. That's a good price for Edward Sheeran. He's Maybe. doing well, there's no doubt about it. He's yeah. doing very well. My housemate is taking her younger sister and her younger sister's best friend to it tomorrow night, I think. Wow. And I think it's their first concert. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I heard leads for it. Moving swiftly on from one massive upset to another, Occupied Palestine won the Eurovision <laughs> last week. Christ. Um, Two feet tapping. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I hope we were all rooting for... Um, yeah, the um, the Gaza Strip in uh, where, wherever it was, Portugal, last week. Yeah. Um, Zara was very disappointed to find out that. I was very disappointed because I drew Cyprus and Ireland right. in a thing. Do you know what Cyprus's song is called? Oh, Fuego. Fuego! Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was a kind of a Beyonce tribute It was a, as well, a so. fire. Really like, it was a really yeah. good song. Yes. So, Cyprus were robbed, so I feel really bad for Cyprus. Yeah. I actually saw more of the Eurovision than I normally would this year. Yeah, it was um, a good bit of it. Missed Ireland, but... Yeah. I didn't see any of it. Didn't miss too much, to be fair. Yeah. It, like, some, some of them seemed like tribute acts, and then, obviously, there was the usual guff, and uh, there was one good prop comedy bit from Moldova that probably got my vote. Didn't see that. What I was that know. now? It was just kind of opening doors and, like, you know, backing dancers dressed the same oh, as this them, is the and co- all this a bit is- of crack. They had the colour schemes going yeah, on. The, I did yeah, see the colour scheme of the national flag, It of looked course, like yeah, a Dulux yeah. ad, yeah. Nice. Quite like the uh, the microphone um, fittings we have. You yeah. can't see it in podcast land, but it's very colourful here in the head stuff. It's like being in the Google studio. office. It is. It is like being in the Google office. Yeah. A behemoth like the Google <laughs> office. We love the segues to get out of here later on. <laughs> speaking of segues and speaking of winners, Childish Gambino has gone to number one in the Billboard charts, overturning the mighty Drake. Yeah. Do, do they count video streams? I don't know. Maybe. I think they do. I think it's something, mm. there is some number of video streams yeah. equals one. It still seller. has gotten like 75,000 paid downloads, I think. On okay. iTunes Yeah, I think so. So it does qualify in that way. That's quite a lot of numbers. Um, they spoke about it at length on the last show, but they since did. we have a mutually exclusive group here today, what mm-hmm. do we all think about the song, first off? I like the song. It's good. Like, it doesn't stick in my head. Like, I couldn't really... Hear it in my head right, right. now. It's this not very it earwormy. Like. It goes. This is America. <laughs> over and over America. and over again. <laughs> I thought this was America. Uh, and the video. What do we think of the video? Oh, it's incredible. It's awesome. I think, I think it's very it's cool. Great. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it reminds me a lot of the TV show yeah. uh, Atlanta, starring Childish Gambino. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. 
It will, won't it? Like, yes. I mean. So, I hope you're out there listening, Dave Hanready, and I hope we're doing a good job and making you proud. And with that, we're going to move on to the next section, as according to the uh, style guide of No Encore, which I'm following to the T this week, and that is the news section. Um, But since Dave wasn't here, and since he usually puts together most of the news himself, as far as I'm to understand, I decided to cut out all of the crap of the talk of Taylor Swift and Dua Lipa and have my own couture news uh, for this episode of No Encore. So, we'll start as we mean to begin. Legendary avant-garde guitarist and composer Glenn Branca dies at the age of 69. The influential avant-garde composer and guitarist Glenn Branca has died, according to a Facebook post from his wife. The cause was stated as throat cancer. Branca, who played a key role in the nascent no-wave scene in New York City in the 70s and 80s, was said in the post to have lived a full life with no regrets and that there will be no public memorial as per the guitarist wishes. This is um, very sad news. Yeah, I thought this was actually, when I heard his name initially, Glenn Branca, I didn't know him at all. You thought um, it was Tony Danza who died. <laughs> that would have been just as upsetting, yeah. Um, but when Star I did... Start the Elton John song, uh, Hold Me Closer, Tony, Tony Danza. Danza. <laughs> um, but when I did do a bit of a deep dive and a research into him, he's a really fascinating character, like studied theatre in Boston Mm -hmm. moved to New York in like 76 got caught up in the whole like Chelsea cool art scene um, formed a band with I can't remember what his name is but they were called Theoretical Girls in 1977 Uh, went on then to release some like solo albums not necessarily solo albums because he needed quite a lot of people on these albums because what did he compose only a guitar symphonies Mm -hmm. so he did some really really cool like just acoustic and electric guitar um massive arrangements which are really really cool um actually on the album the ascension which is his like bohemoth is that seminal album yeah i guess um there was one song on it, Spectacular Commodity, and I was walking back from the post office, sounded exactly like the intro to Franz Ferdinand to take me out. Really? Yeah, oh, yeah? the oh. intro to it. I was like, oh. Okay. Um, but yeah, he's really, strong really interesting. soundtrack to walk back from the post office to. It's strong, when yeah, because like when you're listening to it as well, like you can really kind of trace how loads of other bands, like following, um, obviously like, his, Sonic Youth and yeah, Tristan like Moore they, cited him as being a huge influence in yeah, all like, those kind of rockers. Because he set rockers. up Neutral Records, so he put out like Sonic Youth's um, albums and stuff. So he's like incredibly, even though he might not be a familiar name, he's very, very important and very influential. And you will be remembered. Rest in peace, Glenn Branca. Rest in power, Glenn Branca. Um, moving on, the Beastie Boys. They uh, have, we're talking about releasing oh, this, a book yeah. a while ago. <laughs> Talking yeah. about it for a long time. So I won't be getting that for Christmas now. <laughs> no, no, no. But I mean, you'd want a hell of a stocking to use it as a filler. This yeah. is the thing. So earlier this year, the surviving Beastie Boys said that the memoir they've been working on since at least 2013 would finally come out this year. Well, now it's official. The Beastie Boys book will be out on the 30th of October. It's described as a panoramic experience that tells the story of the Beastie Boys, a book as unique as the band itself. Yeah. So the band said, I'm not sure if you remember, but a while ago we said we were going to write a book about our band. Well, it's almost done and it's coming out soon, the boys said in a tweet. <laughs> this, is what, this is what it's going to look like. Kind of nice, right? Uh, so basically it's a cookbook and all other well, yeah, sorts yeah, of things. Yeah, they've included a cookbook. 
by uh, by Roy Choi, the king of the food truck. Is there a particular reason why they've added a cooking element to a book? Oh no, no. Like are they not? Like I'm not a massive Beastie Boys gal, uh, so I don't like when I saw that there was cookbook. I was like, that's probably a bit just to be like some of their favorite grub or some shit. I don't like know. on the road. Like, I, I mean, like it's got a map of New York, like according to the Beastie Boys. New York as well, is a great place for food. You know, pizza slices. Yeah, yeah, but they didn't invent such, the pizza slice. They did not invent the pizza <laughs> slice. <laughs> this isn't a book by the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. They didn't invent the pizza slice either. As we all know, it was Father John... Um, no, Papa Krusty. John Misty. <laughs> <laughs> Papa John's Misty. Um, but yeah, very cool. Uh, also, they have an album, two albums called The Hot Sauce Committee. So... They are the hot sauce committee. Sure. So will both of you be ch- 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 checking it out? <laughs> I don't know. When's your birthday, Colm? Uh, not too it's long, not actually. Next yeah. month, yeah. And how does the how much does the book cost? You reckon? I, an extraordinary amount, I reckon, for, for five hundred ninety-two pages. So, in answer to your question, neither of us will be buying the book. Yeah. <laughs> Elsewhere, um, Francis Bean Cobain in the news as um, Kurt's guitar that he played at the MTV Unplugged gig um, is now entitled uh, to, or is now bequeathed, essentially, um, to her ex-husband, Isaiah Silva. Um, they've kind of been going through a long divorce settlement, and this has been a point of contention. Uh, 1959 Martin D-18E, oh, Tapley, yes. as a guitarist, does that make you go, oh, wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> Not a, hold on. Um, Martin D eighteen E and nineteen fifty nine was a great year. Let me tell you that. Yeah, only three hundred of them made apparently. Yeah. That, that generally makes guitars more expensive than the actual quality of the guitar themselves. And with a modification to make it not only playable for a righty but a lefty. Is that right? That is so. Yeah. Huh. Cursed did the modification himself. Well, it looks pretty ghetto whenever you see those videos. It seems to have. He seems to have installed some sort of pickup. This is a nerd guitar hour, everyone, on No Encore. Um, he seems to have installed some sort of electric guitar pickup, which is why on songs like The Man Who Sold the World and yeah. Come As You Are uh, from the set. Did it play Come As You Are? Is that the one I'm thinking of? Yeah, anyway, yeah, yeah. he writes it through guitar pedals and makes it sound all grunge and such. But um, yeah, it's a very sad story. I know yeah. that if, even you, if you were to leave something of absolutely no value to um, your daughter... And regardless of her living situation, you would think that it would remain with within the family. Mm. Um, Courtney Love said it's not his to take. And she went on to say that the guitar is a treasured heirloom and that Francis never planned on giving it away for good, even though she, I think, maybe said she gifted it to him. At yeah, exactly. Point. Yeah, but he says that she gave yeah. it to him as a present. And as a wedding yeah. present, yeah. Oh, that- Gonna make you think now what you give Nina as a wedding mm. present, Jamie. You know I mean? No, but like, don't give her my this guitar. Happens when you get married at 21. Yeah. It's just got bad decision written all over it. Anyway, Francis wants to move on from divorce, even if that means giving up the guitar and all the sentimentality attached to it. Francis isn't walking away from divorce completely empty, empty handed, as she gets to keep the house that she and Isaiah Silva bought together. So. In the I grand scheme of things, though, I think I'd prefer my dad's guitar than the house. I wouldn't mind a house, though. Yeah, I'd take a house. Right now, the guitar doesn't uh, when hold he's any li- value when he, unless it's when so he's living in a guitar in a few years' time. <laughs> who's going to be laughing? I've then, seen huh? a couple of those guitars on Daft.ie and they're going for <laughs> ridiculous okay. prices in Rathmines. Sarah, do you want to take this next one? Um, I would absolutely love to. Yes, um, in my notebook, actually, I have this down as Wingy Buckingham because <laughs> nice. um, he has reacted to his 
being fired from Fleetwood Mac. Um, so basically the band announced that they were going to go on tour. Um, they were going to start, I think, in October, I think so. of this year. Yeah. The reason why he was fired was because um, he didn't want to start didn't rehearsal. Want to go. No, he didn't <laughs> want to start rehearsal until June 2019, when the tour would essentially be nearly over. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, so Stevie Nicks obviously is not uh, fond of Lindsay. They went out in the 70s, ended quite uh, tempestuously. And um, so Lindsay was playing a gig recently. And he said, this is not something that was really my doing or my choice um, between songs as he addressed the audience. I think what you would say is that there were factions within the band that had lost their perspective. And then loads of the crowd just shouted back, fuck Stevie Nicks. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it just seems like he's a bit of a spoiled brat and needs to get over it. But and I think o- Fleetwood Mac were kind of right to fire him because now they've got... Um, Neil Finn? Yeah, they've Neil Finn and Mike Campbell. Who's Mike Campbell? Mike Campbell is from Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. He's brilliant. Like, so, I mean, they're more than able, ably, like, replaced him. And they're also recording new music with Neil and Mike instead of Lindsay. Oh, I didn't know that. Fuck you, Stevie Nicks. I I think, fuck you, Lindsay Buckingham. As you said when, like, we were discussing the story, like, a few months ago, like, it's a miracle that they even got back together at all. That's true. It's a ticking time bomb whenever they're sort of trying to do anything. See, they all got mortgages that's why they got back together the McFays <laughs> um, I think they released an album together last year I think Christine McFay didn't Christine... tour with them for a period and then it's back yeah in. you're right mm. and now she decides she needs to buy a boat or what have you yeah I think John and Christine like released an album together and it's hor- like horrendous like okay. of course it is Fleetwood Mac suck but do you know what my Whoa. favourite Fleetwood Mac song is Marks and Spencer's theme song Albatross <laughs> Yeah, is that what it's actually called? Max and Spencer's yeah. theme. Yeah. Max Spencer's theme. Yeah, I did yeah. see. I did see. It's on, not just a good song. On whatever website I saw this reported in the comment section, it was this just in. Lindsay Buckingham is a dickhead, which uh, mm. I feel like could be the entire news story here. Yeah, we could cut and paste that as a headline into the running order every now and then. Yes. Mm, yeah. Just to remind you, Lindsay Buckingham still a dickhead. <laughs> yeah, last thing to mention this week, just because we've talked about it kind of on and off basically since the show started, <laughs> and if we'd done a show from uh, well. T- what like turn of the decade really we could have been updating you on it um the queen biopic bohemian rhapsody or what was originally meant to be a freddie mercury biopic um has released its first trailer um it will be hitting cinemas what i think towards the end of this year is it second november it's out yeah. here and starring mr robots rami malik uh yeah like i say it, it looked like being a freddie mercury biopic when it first mm-hmm. came out yeah and then sasha baron cohen was one of the ones who also kind of said they're trying to make it into this kind of like hagiography and I have no interest in doing that nor do the writers or indeed anyone else and the trailer yeah just looks like can you believe the biggest band in the world it looks horrendous it really doesn't look good at all my favourite part from it though um, was I actually had to pause the (laughs) trailer to write this down there's a scene where they're in the office and Freddie says to his manager I pity your wife if you think six minutes goes on forever. Yeah. (laughs) My favourite bit was a couple of seconds before that where you saw Aidan Gillen as a a smarmy man of authority, which really tells you how far his range stretches these days. He looks like he's playing Charlie Hockey again, except he's playing John Reed. (laughs) Or Littlefinger, who knows? Well, uh, one of the pieces of this news story that I did love is that Sasha Baron Cohen left the project in 2013, citing creative differences with 
Edith Mercury's former bandmates, with guitarist Brian May, later calling Sasha Baron Cohen, <laughs> an arse. <laughs> it's good to hear that he uses the uh, Irish pronunciation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, um, I guess though any Queen biopic is going to be a Freddie Mercury biopic. Anyway, At some level, yeah, I think I think they're just worried that it's going to whitewash out a lot of you know. I mean, look, he he led a very colourful life, and especially for the time. Mm. And I think they're afraid that you know if they don't actually address the sort of cultural ramifications of that and only concentrate on the music, then yeah, it really is going to be a kind of a watered down telling of his story. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I just don't like biopics. I I just can't trust them. Like even oh. when I'm watching them, I just I just always think they're very like. Hollywoodized, and I can never believe, like, fully believe that, like, in this instance, that Freddie Mercury would say some of the things that he would say. Um, Whereas I'm just like, why don't they just do, like, put all this time and money into making a really good, like, documentary series or something? I think that's a lot more beneficial. I think they just loved how close they could get Remy Malik to look like him, which is kind of almost a selling point of a lot of films these days, like the um, Gary Oldman. Churchill, Churchill, Churchill yeah. one, yeah. yeah. This is like, wow, that's actually him. Better yeah. go sit through two hours of that terrorist. But, uh, <laughs> way better than when I tried to do that with that insurance dog who really didn't look much like oh, Churchill yes. at all. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, but do you remember Churchill? Oh, yes. Church- I wasn't oh, alive, yes. Church. Oh, Churchill the dog. There it is. Oh, <laughs> Churchill the insurance dog. <laughs> oh, yes. oh yes. yeah, yeah, I do remember him. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm not totally hot on music biopics myself, but there and there are some terrifically bad moments. My favorite being the made-for-TV Def Leppard movie. I don't know if anyone no. saw that on Channel Five. No, but this is incredible. <laughs> it's just a really great scene when they're in the studio and they just can't. They just can't get it to work. And this producer is like, you need to just sing it, but sing it higher. Because that's how music production works. <laughs> sing exactly what you're doing, but just higher. <laughs> and he goes back into the studio and does a take of whatever song and then hits his highest note. And then the producer slides over to the desk and pushes a bunch of knobs and turns a bunch of things, hits the wow button or whatever. And then they come in and listen to it. And the song extends further than they've actually recorded while the whole band <laughs> is sitting there like oh my God, we're going to be rich. <laughs> so I love that. A, a, a excellent uh, capturing of the uh, creation of music. And the magic, time. true magic of Def Leppard. The true magic of Def Leppard. Of course. Wow. I used so, to be obsessed with the Sonny and Cher one, but I mean. The Sonny and Cher biopic? Yeah, it's incredible, yeah. Like used, the, the, the proper one. Like, I used to or, have to bring, like force my mom to bring me to the local video shop weekly so that I could rent this out. I loved it. Like I, I don't know what it was. If it was not just, a bought a copy, this feels like false economy. I think my, story. I think my mom was just like, I th- she's a bit young she's to be dealing with all the, these like things, and she was like, oh, she'll just sing along. It's grand. It's mad that Bono was married to her for so many years, isn't it? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> this week we're going to be talking about everyone's favorite band, the Arctic Monkeys, and their new album, Tranquility Base Hotel and Casino. Here's a cut from the album called Four Out of Five. Special effects in my mind's eye. Okie cookie with the opposite sex. The things you try to forget. Doesn't time fly? I'm in no position to give advice. I don't want to be nice and you know that. Take it easy for a little while. Come and stay with us. It's such an easy flight. It's all getting gentrified, do you 
And that was the Arctic Monkeys' new joint. I keep calling them the Arctic Monkeys because... Um, That's fine. Yeah, you know what? I've all been there. Yes. <laughs> um, so, I don't really know where to start with this. I guess, personally, I've never been a huge Arctic Monkeys fan. I can remember the first, literally the first day I heard them, my friend Evan brought in a CD that he burnt off the internet mm-hmm. uh, of I Bet You Look Good in the Dance Floor. Yeah. And I didn't really get it. <laughs> And it's kind of only every subsequent album that's come made me realise how good the first one was. Right. Um, in comparison. Jesus. And no album more than this, I think, um, has made me yearn for the gritty old Arctic Monkeys. The gritty young Arctic Monkeys, should yeah. I say. I remember like that album from the early days too, and I really liked it. I always remember it as well, though, as being kind of one of those... I think it was probably right at the cusp of when the hype machine essentially moved from like BBC radio to enemy or well no but online as well oh. mm. so that basically you're a MySpace sort of thing yeah mm. yeah and it's essentially it was that like you know you wanted more from this band but you legit couldn't get it yeah, yeah. essentially mm. um so yeah so I can remember like the weekend that that record was released and, and the finally a body it. of music from this band. yeah pretty yeah, much yeah, exactly yeah. yeah and uh I, I guess yeah it's been a while since I've had that excitement yeah um this album, it's a long way removed from it, and a lot of the reaction has been from people who, I guess, have loyalty going back, not necessarily all the way to 2006. Mm. Maybe, yeah, maybe no, earlier, I think. Yeah. But, yeah, certainly to their older stuff, are not impressed. Zara, yes. what did you make? Well, see, I would have been, like, a big Arctic Monkeys fan in my in my youth. Like, I've seen them twice live. I've also seen Last Shadow Puppets live as mm-hmm. well. Um, so I just, I didn't like this album at all, really. Um, and I think what the main problem with this album is, is that this sounds so like it should have been the last Shadow Puppets third album and not an Arctic Monkeys album. It also reeks of like an Alex Turner solo album, like the kind of maybe beginnings of him kind of doing everything himself because I did mm. notice that even in like the credits Nick O'Malley doesn't play bass on quite a number of the songs on this album sure um, that's Alex Alex is doing quite a lot of it um, but I think like the whole thing of like it's not as good as the first album is because like these lads have not been in Sheffield since <laughs> their second yeah, or third album another album from Los Angeles like they were 18 when that all like kind of took off so their whole world has gone from like they are like on top of the world but when you get to that point you uh your world becomes very very small i think oh yeah so like they don't have like as free like the freedom to write songs that were like so like visceral as like you see, the no, start you see I, I like i agree with you on that but i think they've always been quite good at adjusting to that like i mean even their second album opened with uh brian storm yeah so like brian once they were plucked out of sheffield their very next release granted was a while later but, but was I all about like a sleazy w- record executive like cozying up to them in this new world yeah, that they i think though with that album they were still kind of like lads that were like very tight-knit mates and who were like willing to kind of make a joke out of the whole record like the industry scene whereas now I think they've been very swept up in it and I think it's just because they've kind of become maybe a product of it where even in their press shots they're all wearing beige outfits that are identical to each other. Do you think that's a complete piss take? 
No, I don't think so. I think so. they take themselves very seriously. I think I now they're think taking is... themselves very... Like, I... Really? I, yeah, and as well, like, the whole thing with the concept, what I think as well is, like, so the concept for this album is that, like, they are on, like, some hotel that's, like, in the not-so-distant future where the moon has been colonised, gentrified, and turned into a luxury resort. Yeah. And that Arctic Monkeys are sort of, like their house band and I think that like the themes that are addressed in the lyrics you'll notice that like he talks about like gentrification and I think he might have like learned about this concept and was like lads how can we get this into a song so that they can sound a bit more like like as if they do have their ear to the ground their other like um, themes are like social media how people are addicted to their phones how like all of this stuff and it's like that's like everyone is doing no, songs but hang on, like hang that. On, but hang like, on. like, there's a couple of points here, right? And and I do think actually that a lot of this comes down to whether or not you think they are kind of having fun and there's snark involved, and whether they are actually taking the piss here or if they take themselves really seriously. Because you two aren't all that impressed with the album, and you think they're taking them seriously themselves seriously. I think that there's definitely a sort of a snarkiness throughout this record. I think Alex Turner has always had a bit of that. I think the key word, uh, rather than snarkiness, is irony. And, and you can you can yeah. take yourself way too seriously and try and be ironic at the same time yeah. uh, in, in the way that a young band would do that and, you know, could get away with it from some sort of inexperience or whatever. But the fact that Alex Turner... He, he, like you're saying, Zara, he, he is a man of no life experience anymore outside of being in a band. And now that he lives, here, here's a, a, a quote that my friend sent me. According to Alex Turner's interview in Mojo magazine, he's currently installing a new bathtub in his chic London home because his girlfriend is too tall to fit in the current one. Right, so, there you go. Really like, no, but like, okay, but this record, strictly speaking, like, I mean, it starts with Star Treatment. It's this. Which Broken sounds down like it's star. been like so poorly mixed or mastered. Really? The start of it is horrendous. It's like listening to a bad um, YouTube download. I think it's just kind of bleak. It's kind of sparse. And it's this broken down rock star who wanted to be one of the strokes. Now hitchhiking with a monogrammed suitcase. Like, I think that that's self-deprecation. And in fact, it's self-deprecation done pretty well. One Point Perspective kind of builds upon that. And then I think the the world building, so to speak, of this album is done really well. I loved this. Really? I loved this record. This is the record that Father John Misty wishes he could make. I did see massive comparisons between the two. Maybe it's just because Father John Misty is also singing about his stay in... A hotel. Yeah, yeah I mean, the last single was Mr. Tillman. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, dealing with the wacky guest and whatever. But... It just doesn't commit to the weirdness in the way that this album does. I think, I think I, they can both be crap, don't worry. No, it's <laughs> true, yeah, yeah. But as well, like, no, but like, I think, I think some of the things that are done, like, albeit subtly occasionally, are superb. Like, like you mentioned the social media thing, and I'm like, she looks like funny. Yeah, like, you know, really obviously, really kind of on the nose about social media. But then there's a great line at the end where he is like, oh yeah, so what, we'll go to bars and talk to strangers about how much we respect martial arts. Mm. Kind of saying like, well, you know, like the whole, like, you know, put your phone down and enjoy the real world. That's kind of bullshit too. Mm. So it's kind of skewering both sides for me. I don't know. I felt the whole thing was 
also way more observational, I suppose, rather than kind of lecturing or kind of didactic in that sense. I don't think it does either, though. I th- I think the thing with this new phase of the Arctic Monkeys, which I guess, like you're saying, Zara, is Turner... Uh, Focused. Oh, it's all he, him. He oh, recorded yeah. no m- m- most of the vocals um, in his LA home um, on an eight-track tape player, and I don't think he retracked them. He got the guys in to do some, some of them. Maybe yeah. yeah this there, you can kind of hear that sort of degraded tape sort of sound on the vocals, which is really cool. I I I, I think I disagree with you, Zara, in that it sounds um, poorly mixed. I definitely think musically or sonically, it's gone for something, and it does it really well. My problem with it is is him. I think he's so unlikable in in this leering, ironic, uh, holier than thou sort of stance. And even to watch some live performances of him recently, it's not like he's even really being himself. He's transformed into this sort of quasi Nick Cave, quasi Richard Hammond, or any member of Top Gear, <laughs> um, goatee chap, and yeah. Like, Hearing him sing lyrics like, um, dancing in my underpants, I'm going to run for government, I'm going to form a covers band and all. What What are you talking about? Like, it's, it's, I don't know if it's just that I don't get the joke. Yeah. Or, you see, but I see, think the joke just isn't funny. Yeah. And like, when I was saying that it was badly mixed, it's literally just the first, like, 15 seconds of okay. Star Treatment. Yeah. The f- start of that song, and initially I thought it was my earphones, and then when I listened to it on a different system, it was the exact same. Um, but yeah, his lyrics on this album, I just think, are utter trite. Like, And the only time that I actually did kind of feel for him a little bit... Science fiction? No, no, science fiction actually was is a throwaway Lash Shadow Puppet song. Miles really? Kane's, yeah, Miles Kane's threw it away. Yeah, that was no, the no, one no, I that. couldn't find fault with. No, like, sorry, actually, she different. looks like fun. Science fiction, I didn't really like at all. Yeah. Um, but no, on Ultra Cheese, ironically, um, I found that song quite when I read the lyrics. I found it actually quite sad because there's stuff like I've still got pictures of my friends on the wall. I suppose they aren't really friends anymore. And then there's another get freaked out from a knock at the door when I haven't been expecting one. Yeah. Didn't that used to be part of the fun ones upon a time? And then dress like a fictional character from a place they call America in the Golden Age. And I was like, that's quite on the nose as to like you just being by yourself installing your bath for your yeah, it's girlfriend. It's lonely at the top. It's lonely I know, at the top, yeah, but it? that was the only instance on this album where, and I don't like the music on that song, so it's kind of annoying that like... The one time the, the sin- vocals the, are good. Yeah, not even the vocals, but that there's actually any kind of sincerity to the words or insight into them. I, yeah. com- I compiled a list of my favourite song lyrics. I actually made a tweet of it today saying, <laughs> wow... Charlie from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. His lyrics have gotten really kooky these days. <laughs> so let me give you, a, a for people maybe who haven't listened to this album yet, who are listening to this podcast, if you uh, listen to Tranquility Bass, Hotel and Casino, you can hear lyrics such as, Kiss me underneath the moon's side boob, the exotic sound of data storage, or one particular favourite of mine, which is just a chorus line that consists of, Good morning, cheeseburger, snowboarding. Oh, well, yeah, okay, that, that's from the one where he's taking the piss out of what people's social media updates are like. And that's why, like I say, it's a particularly on-the-nose piss Because so erratic, take. like, yeah, you never know you what you're going to scroll. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. just like, snowboarding, yeah. whatever. Um, but I, it's supposed to be funny. 
Yeah. yeah, and it's just I, I don't. Maybe I just don't get the joke. Sure. Maybe I, I need to. I think yeah, it's like, the tone it, it of it. Yeah. I, like, I find it funny. I, I find like like he's they've taken a taco stand called Informa- Information Action Ratio. See as well, and like, built it on the top of the hotel. That's brilliant. For oh, I go there, but with stuff so like that, of. like the other thing that kind of annoyed me with this album is that like it's just like littered with like references, and it's just like okay, Alex, you get it, like you can watch a movie you can watch a documentary like there's a, a a line in one song where he's like watch the documentary that no one's even heard of driving down the uh road listening to its score and then mm. like he like mentions like that he was influenced by um three films by Jean-Pierre Melville um from the 70s um also another film by or called spirits of the dead which is three edgar Allan poe short stories merged together uh neil postman mm-hmm. um he's also like kind of credited like infinite jest and then like he mentions in the album like blade runner and you're just like okay like we get it you you know what culture is chill your beans like like, I don't know, I just find it very, very try-hard to just make him seem like he's this, like, knowledgeable f- character when he's really not. I mean, fair enough. I, like, I think he is. <laughs> it's a simple fact of the matter. And and I think that, you know, since his teens, he's proven himself to be a really clever, really intentional or intelligent lyricist drawing intentionally from a lot of kind of like those references that he maybe doesn't necessarily have to spell things out, um, which is kind of what allows these songs in particular to have, you know, at times, yeah, it's slightly kind of nebulous form, but I guess allow people to make their own minds up. Mm. We clearly have. Can we get a number? No. (laughs) No. Not on my watch. (laughs) I have a new game. All right. Instead of a number... Mm-hmm. I'm going to put you guys on the spot so maybe this isn't very fair but can you give me your review of this album in less than 10 words a bizarre head trip that is really well worth a listen I'm going to guess that that's under 10 Sarah not appropriate in the Arctic Monkeys canon right I'm going to say get off the bandwagon and put down the handbook <laughs> not this way <laughs> And moving swiftly on <laughs> to everyone's favourite section of the show, Songs of the Week. Um, I guess we're going to do the, the old way. And Colin, would you like to pick a number? A wild. One uh, and five. Let's go four, please. Number four. This is Ty Siegel and White Fence with Good Boy. That was good boy what do we all think of this um i actually quite liked this so ty siegel and uh tim presley from white fence they have collaborated before back in 2012 they released yeah. an album called hair under tim's white fence project um that album is very like 1960s kind of garage very like lo-fi 
with the occasional like Ty Siegel like yelp and like trying to go a bit mad um, this song though I felt kind of is like so much better than anything that's on that album and right. um, because with this song like you're kind of getting like three songs in one but they're still like a perimeter and also um i just much preferred the tempo of this song especially at the start i really like how it kind of is quite like chilled very smooth very very smooth and i really like their harmonies together i think they work really nicely the only thing i would critique this song on is tim prezzi's guitar his like guitar playing is just the exact same in every single Tim Presley song okay. and like he did a collaboration with Kate LeBon recently uh, their band's called Drinks and his guitar yeah, like yeah. it's just the same like yeah I mean like th- th- this song's trying to get an awful lot done and so in, in that sense you know a, l- a little bit of coherence might not be the worst thing in the world like it, it's 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 I mean you mentioned the the previous collaboration hair like it's kind of just more the same it's it's lo-fi psych rock really mm, this i feel though is is better than anything that was on hair i think this kind of has a bit more exuberance yeah no yeah. i really liked it I, yeah. I thought it was very cool very smooth kind of runs at its own tempo uh, it's incredibly cool it i have to mm. admit though that i until about three hours ago always thought that ty siegel was in the band the oc's so thought I knew a lot more of his output than I actually have okay. heard. So I can't. I now realise I can't actually compare this to what I thought I was going to compare it to. But we'll just move on. So we'll just move on. Zara, <laughs> number two, one and five. Um, two, please. Number two. This is Andre Three Thousand, and the song is called "Me and My to Bury Your Parents." When he was was Andre 3K. What do we think? I mean, it's, it's, it's different to like. no, like, um, <laughs> Okay, so I mean, like, yeah, he released this song to coincide with the his mother's, mother's anniversary. Day. No, his mother's oh, day. Oh, sorry, his mother's, mother's day. day, day, day on Sunday yeah. in the United States. Yeah, and his Not mother... Not to freak anyone out who's listening who forgot to buy the present. <laughs> yeah. Unless... Well, I, Think he might have forgotten, I think he might have forgotten by about a month if you're yeah. listening in Ireland. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, she passed away, his mother, a couple of years ago. His father, I think, the year after then, or was it the year before? Either way, he lost both his parents in a very uh, short space of time. And so this is obviously uh, a song mourning them. It's pretty pared back. I mean, it sounds like a demo. I'm not even sure if it is. It could be. It's not on Spotify. No. And I wonder, is it just to sort of uh, get something out there quickly? Um yeah, there's like auto-tune on his voice and it doesn't even seem to be correctly triggering, yeah. triggering at the right notes and stuff. It's pretty rough around the edges, but for that reason, I kind of liked it. Well, exactly, mm. yeah. The emotion more. is that bit more pure, yeah. so to speak. I think it was recorded three years ago, so you kind of just oh, okay. feel that like um, he just kind of wrote this to celebrate his parents yeah. and his mom, and yeah, he also plays the bass clarinet on it. Ooh, yeah. oh, he's a very know. very talented musician. Yeah. yeah, I think he's quite cool. I yeah. like him. Oh, he's he's the dawn. Um, it is very different from Outcast. Is that a good thing? Uh, well, I mean, look, I, I, uh, I, yeah, never say never in terms of you know 
more outcast or outcast even sounding like they used to. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I mean, like I feel as though he's gonna like if we do get more material from him, a it's probably not gonna sound anything like this. But b mm. you know it's probably not gonna sound like something we've heard before either. That's mm. fine by me. I yeah. did have to look up a few different videos of this song to make sure that the first one I went to wasn't someone doing a cover of it, right? Because the vocal is tuned to the point that it actually. I don't. Is it? Is it actually Andre three thousand singing it? Presume it. I presume it is. It was just a still photo on the YouTube video that I. Uh, listen to or watched so I did kind of miss his, like he is a great singer in his own right without any of the trimmings uh, without any of the added effects or anything like that so I kind of maybe missed that a little bit but maybe there's something there using autotune as an effect maybe I don't know but I liked it either way but it'd uh, be interesting to hear where he goes from there Yeah, call him another number number one please number one this is uh, Saint Sister with Twin Peaks. that was Saint Sister with Twin Peaks um, who wants to take this one <laughs> I mean <laughs> I, I will go on uh, Saint Sister I mean you know I won't be so dismissive as to say it's what they normally do but you know the vocal harmonies are present and correct as nearly always mm-hmm. um, they haven't exactly kitchen synced it by any means there's probably a little more drum machine yeah than- it definitely mm-hmm. moves forward a lot faster yeah um, than anything they've done previously. And this is the first single off their soon-to-be-released debut album. So they're kind of... I don't know if you can really tire them with that. This <laughs> is their sound brush, because they don't really have a sound yet. They don't have an album, so they don't have to a body an, yeah, of work. Yeah, to an extent. But I mean, like it, it is vocal harmonies. I did really like the texture, though, on the mm-hmm. vocals here, because mm-hmm. there's the, the, that kind of multi-layered choral sort of effect oh, the, I thought the, would the work two, really well. The two voices work really well together. Mm, yeah. Um, what I liked about this is the second I think um, kind of taster from the album because Causing Trouble is also going to be on it I didn't know that I, think. I did not know that <laughs> um, yeah so that's going to be on it too and like I liked this as a companion piece to that um, I felt that sonically there was a nice space in this song I don't think or I think that like everything kind of had its own kind of like space and part in the song and everything was like uh, very distinct and nothing kind of Separation. like jarred against each other yeah so everything kind of it really felt like a team effort in all of the parts sure, in yeah. the song like well, nothing kind of like, well, like uh, say, trashed they're, they're over not, anything yeah else. they're not going to kitchen sink it like yeah no. And, and, no you know I mean I mean, that's you know again, like that has always been the way kind of like you know, going back to kind of like you know the, the tin man double release yes. like mm. Madrid EP blah blah it's, they have uh, been working with um, Hosier bassist Alex Ryan for a good few years now, so maybe they're just finally getting to the crux of their um, working relationship, and maybe they're just figuring it out now. I, I always like the sound of their stuff. Mm-hmm. I think the heavy electronic element to their music is always such a, a great thing to hear in comparison to the very much uh, the very much band uh, <laughs> live <laughs> thing, <laughs> live yoke. Yeah. Uh, I'm coming apart at the seams here, Hanready. Please help me from afar. Um, 
So I, I, I do like that sort of um, side to it, and I think you're right with the, the it definitely sonically sounds a lot more advanced than the previous stuff. It's I do, I do okay. like, sorry to cut across, but I do like that they have started to write songs with a bit more levity and a bit more uh, light um, coming in. I remember speaking to Morgan about some of her early demos for the band, possibly before the band was even formed, and I remember saying to her that there was a lot of darkness, a lot of minor chords, and that she shouldn't be afraid um, to write something uh, happy yeah. in, in, in a word. So I'm going to take credit I for think, I think I think early on they get bur- they got burdened with that atmos folk thing, yes. yeah. which is both A, a made-up word to describe a band, which I fucking hate <laughs> every time. And secondly, I think, yeah, probably just does sort of imply you know yeah this is moody and dark and mm. so on and you know it doesn't need to be does it some of I the th- most glorious music can be atmospheric and yeah. some of oh, the most absolutely. happy music can be folk so but not atmospheric that's all i'm saying I do, who knows what atmospheric is we we maybe you're still yet to hear it <laughs> i do think it's their catchiest song really i loved causing trouble i do remember when they uh started playing that at the gig in um the christmas gig the young hearts from free gig some guy behind me just went fucking tune <laughs> and they started playing it it was like this <laughs> slow the natural reaction there isn't it like, um, yeah I found this one really earwormy like I like after listening to it a few times mm-hmm. um, I would say out of these five songs it was the one that maybe when I was um, on my way over here that I was probably humming to myself mm. and Twin Peaks hey yeah, yeah you know Twin Peaks is great did you watch Twin Peaks go no still no what none no. of it no no. Where you can watch Twin Peaks in the summer? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, I can't remember what number. David Happy, what number would three you like? Three or five are left. Uh, that you picked out. Three. Number three is Mitski. A new one's called Geezer. Sounds like this. Turned down every hand that has beckoned me to come. Because you're the one I Should I pronounce it Geyser? I think so. Mitski, what do we reckon, guys? <laughs> um, I wasn't mad in this song, I have to admit. Okay. Um, I kind of came late to the Mitski party, and when I say I came late to it, I literally listened to her album Puberty 2 for the first time yesterday. Okay. Um, and I prefer... Did I prefer it? Yeah, like, there's one song on that, I think it's the opener, Happy, and, like, that's kind of quite an introspective song, and then it, like, kind of bolsters out a little bit, and I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. I'd maybe like it if Geezer did, or Geyser did um, that as well. But I just think there's so much going on with this song, and especially at the start, it really, really annoyed me, because I would listen to it with my earphones in, and cranked quite to 11 um, and mm. that like distorted glitch at the start right. wrecked my ears every single time but and that's I just, your fault like, for listening to music too loud Zara you know pump it up you gotta pump it up if you ain't redlining <laughs> you ain't headlining <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, this song was a weird one. I don't know, Mitski. I don't get the hype. No. Uh, she seems to be really popular out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, this song starts to sound like Deftones in a perfect circle and stuff after a couple of minutes, which has mm. really caught me off guard. Um, gets a thumbs down from me, unfortunately. She's like, I, I, like, I kind of liked what it was trying to do at the very least. Like, I, I, at least I think it was trying to kind of catch... I mean, it's a love song, very much so. And in, interestingly, when you mentioned Puberty too, I mean, she was always somewhat evasive, I suppose, yeah. as a lyricist and as a songwriter. And so this, you're just like, oh, there's no bullshit here, is there? Um, but I think she has kind of like, you know, maybe to make up for that, try to combine the sort of intimate and quiet aspects of a love song with the sort of euphoric things of falling in love. Which maybe is difficult to do in three minutes. I wrote that that this song. This song, uh, she said, I wrote it about music or just maybe a music career or an ability to make music. I I didn't say she was in love with a man, Zara. (laughs) No, I'm not (laughs) saying that. Or a woman. For that matter. Um, No, I know that. Um, And then, like, when I was reading, because I was also reading that, like, you know, like, writing about love and whatever like that and like yeah obviously if you love what you do you never work a day in your life and all that kind of jazz Um, you're dead right but I'm professional in my hobby (laughs) yeah I just it it just kind of turned into a bit of a Marvel soundtrack song for me okay hey if you were to give it a rating out of 10 what would you give it just kidding (laughs) the last song on the list (laughs) is Black Walls by Chromatics That was Chromatics with oh. Black Walls. What was the, was okay? that a sign for a leaf or anger? Tommy for like four years now, and I don't even know if I can handle it. I'm not going to listen to it. I hated this song. What? <laughs> Jesus. Okay. Like, I mean, to, I was kind of in a you know just when I thought I was out place with this because yeah, I had got to the stage where I like you know Craig. Every time Johnny Jewel does anything, Craig's like you know oh we might mm. you know who knows, and I'm just like nah. I've given up thinking about a it. Brilliant now. Craig impression. And do that again. <laughs> I, I can't do a Craig on demand. I'm sorry. You can, Zara. <laughs> no, I can't. Go on. Uh, I don't know. Like Johnny Jewel might bring something out. Yeah, I um, don't know, guys. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Veered into me there a little bit. Yeah, but um, but yeah, I thought this was a banger. Um, and it ends with the Dear Tommy logo, and I'm like, okay, we might not get another one for four years. Uh, yeah. Okay. I just, I just find it very snoozy, and I also was very perturbed by the little girl listing off colours at the start. Mm. I didn't like that. <laughs> yeah, you know what that was? Very sinister. Didn't like it at <coughs> all. Very scary. Um, yeah, I it should be added that it wasn't on streaming platforms when we were listening to it. So this is all of YouTube. Video, if you're yeah. listening to Spotify right now, going, what is she on about? That's what it was. I also just was not into the repeated line of she turns water into wine. I was like, oh. I don't know. That's a bit cringe. I was cool with that. Yeah, I have little to say about this. I only know I've I only learned of chromatics from the aforementioned Twin Peaks and it seems like that everything they do is the same. So <laughs> snooze fest for me, unfortunately, guys, but you know what? Oof. That's that. So that was the songs of the week. Alright. We're doing um, okay. Absolutely. 
Go find! (laughs) Brilliant. And you know what? I haven't said friend of the podcast once. (laughs) Good job, mate. You can do it. Team high five! Yes! Yes! Yes. Column! Excellent. (laughs) Before we head off this week, while Tapley was in studio, we figured we would get him to give us an overview of Beck in our D'Souza and Tane next week uh, playing with the Yeah Yeah Yaz in a double bill. We don't get double bills, do we? No. It's a very strange way to do a concert. It's um, as though someone couldn't decide who was the yeah. headliner. And this so is an unusual it. pair. Yeah, but hey, I'm down. Yeah. Um, you going? No. Oh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, have to, I have to go to Cork. Oh, yeah. uh. If somebody is heading along to see the Yeah Yaz and they don't know Beck yet, or if somebody's simply curious. Yeah. What should they be checking out, mate? Well... Give us your guide. I have compiled a guide here, starting from Beck's first major label release, Mellow Gold, to his most recent album, Morning Phase. Yes, that's right, he hasn't released an album since Morning Phase. That is the last album that Beck Hansen has released. So I've compiled a list of uh, 16, 17, 18, maybe 19 or 20 songs, I'm not sure. Um, And I wasn't really sure how to go about doing this. I know I initially made one and then just deleted all of it and started again. But... I feel at, one, like at one point you forgot to do it completely and just had Loser in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, definitely, just, that's a great playlist That's definitely already. one type of playlist. But, I mean, okay, if you don't, if you want to try and get into Beck, you could just listen to Odelay. That is one playlist right there. Odelay has pretty much everything you need to get into Beck. It's an incredibly cool sounding album. A lot of samples, a lot of white boy rap, but he does it very tastefully. And he, unlike Alex Turner, he does irony very well because it sounds like he's having fun as opposed to being a... Maybe that's my problem with the Arctic Monkeys album. It just doesn't, it doesn't sound like he had any fun making it. Right, yeah. No Beck doubt. is the opposite. Everything he does, it sounds like he's having great fun, including his most recent album. Yes, that's right. Morning most recent, Face. Morning, morning Face. <laughs> um, so... Could I ask you, because you're yes, a big Beck fan. I'm a big Beck fan. Okay, so I... I'm like a fair weather Beck fan <gasps> and like I quite like say the information I love Midnight Vultures I love Guero yes and those albums Guero. see Guero. Uh, those albums generally tend to be kind of clumped together and then Sea Change and Morning his most phase. recent album Morning Phase yes. they are and Mutations yep. they're kind of like clustered together okay. as well so I am more of the the former former if you were to to suggest to someone who has completely green ears to back, mm-hmm. which uh, which of those two do you think is more accessible? I guess it depends on the person. Um, the sea change mutations morning phase family is more of a an acoustic sensitive sort of folky affair, and particularly midnight vultures from the latter family is was like his attempt at doing a kind of a Prince thing. He had a very ambitious live show where like a four-poster bed came down from the 
the ceiling and every member of the band got in still playing their instruments while he was singing a song about wanting to get with a girl and her sister named Deborah. Did you see that tour? <clears throat> I didn't. There's a good video of it. Uh, Jeez, oh, I was about 10 years old when that happened. I think. Okay, right. Have you seen him? No, I, I saw him huh, 12 mean? years ago. What was that at? Puppet in- tour. Marley Parr? No, no, you're right. I, that was 2006. It was at a festival Sport in yeah. Belgium. Ziggit uh, or something like that, maybe a rock for Pucklepop. Pucklepop. So he he did a tour where he had an entire miniature marionette mm. version of the band mm. and mimicking literally every single movement, even when Beck changed his guitar, the puppet would get a new puppet, Stratocaster or what have you. Um There is an elephant in the room though. And this I feel is maybe a stepping stone or a, a stone stepping stone too far for a lot of people. Beck is a Scientologist. All oh, right. When I you thought found it was that going out. to be about anything that happened after his last album, Morning Face. No, he hasn't done that. <laughs> that was the real elephant in the room here, but... I don't really know why he's actually touring since it's been a few years, but when you found out about that, did it hamper your opinion? Because everyone I speak to, when I try to give the Beck endorsement as a, being a big Beck fan, the mm. first thing they say is, yeah, he's on a loser song, it's pretty good. He's a Scientologist though, isn't he? And it's like, yeah. Um, no, it doesn't bother me because he's like made some incredible music and like Tom Cruise has made some incredible films no he hasn't he has come on cocktail when was the last time you watched Risky Business I've never seen Risky Business well there you go (laughs) Um, no it doesn't bother me and it's actually almost from the opposite end I've liked the work of so many people and then found out that they're Scientologists mm-hmm. that I know by now that ru- if I start disliking people like because of that stuff I just yeah. run the risk of having more and more people that I like and things that I like ruined yes. after the fact Sure. so I've just decided I don't care anymore okay as a Scientologist personally speaking yeah, yeah. Okay. if anyone it, would it like to give me bad theta something yes so I don't your, know. your crystals are vibrating at the wrong yeah. I uh, frequency just, I like how um, it doesn't bother me as well because like I like how he approaches music and how he like says that like he likes for the songs to kind of have like their own kind of story and stuff like mm-hmm. that so I, I really appreciate when someone kind of thinks of what they do in a very different way in a very kind of nice way like that another thing that I'd ask about like when you're kind of of going through Beck's career so Mm -hmm. to speak is that like a lot of his albums have fairly considerable jumps in style and stuff like that within the album or from one album to the next next, you know reinvention really was always sort of a thing for him the chameleon yeah does that does that kind of make it hard to I guess sum him up in one you know, even a playlist, a Definitely. collection. Yeah, I, when, and this is kind of the thought that I had when I was going through this, the albums and picking songs from each record to put into this playlist is I kind of wanted to give, because I guess this, maybe the singles that are released tend to be the safer songs on the, on the albums, which are, you know, that's good. There's, some of them are, are really great and actually was, was difficult to keep a few of them off. But this particular listening guide, which you can find on Twitter and on the Headstuff uh, website... Yeah, it's going to be right below where you found this podcast anyway, don't worry. Um, I've kind of tried to give maybe the songs that would not get such a look in in maybe the live show or you wouldn't find so many um, well-viewed videos of them on the internet. So, for example, we've got a song called Diamond Bollocks, which is uh, an amalgamation of two of Beck's favourite English phrases, Diamond Geezer and Top Bollocks. Mm-hmm. Uh, this song is like basically what I imagine when you get six or seven of the best musicians in their field into a studio together and say, okay, there are no restrictions. You can make the most crazy thing you want to 
this is what happens. It's insane. It sounds like he's swapping between albums within one song. Mm. And there's a song called Hollywood Freaks, which if I have enough uh, white wine coolers, I will definitely start to um, do successfully do every single verse from it. Um, we'll see how that goes later. And um, yeah, there's, 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 some, there's some quite nice songs. A song called Volcano, a song called Waking Light off his most recent album, Morning Phase. Um, and then the real out there stuff, like the song The Horrible Fanfare slash Landslide slash Exoskeleton off the record, The Information, which features interviews with Spike Jones and friends of Beck within the song, talking about mm. the perfect sound and spaceships and all this sort of stuff. So... He goes from one thing to another to another within even one song and within one career. And if you're going to see the show next Wednesday, yeah. 23rd, yeah. Um, he might be playing some of his new material, which I guess is off an upcoming record or something. I'm not sure. But yeah. The follow-up to Morning Face. The follow-up to Morning Face. <laughs> yes? As yet unreleased. As yet unreleased. <laughs> so... That is it. That's my um, recommendation on Beck Hansen and his beautiful world of music. And uh, yeah, is anyone else listening to anything cool these days? Anything very exciting over the past week? Um, I'm actually listening to, I have been for the last week, um, Stephen Malcolmus and the Jicks' new album, Sparkle Hard. That'll be out, well, when this podcast is out on Friday, the album will be available to listen to. So that's their seventh album. It's really, really good. Um, it's a good... Um, follow up to um, their last album um, which came out maybe like five years ago at this stage is it that long? Possibly, yeah, I, yeah, yeah um, it's really really good so I've been listening to them um, was also listening to Father John Misty's album which is a pile of shit oh, the upcoming yeah. yeah yeah no we haven't we've not been listening to the I, well, I, no, official I streams said that I was and Craig started giving out to me no official streams have been released oh, okay cool yeah. yeah so I've not done anything illegal I've been illegal. listening to Zara's official stream <laughs> and agree <laughs> no you shit. have not um, I got a torrent of it actually it's really <laughs> <scary>. <laughs> I'll be honest here and say they're right like all I've listened to the past week uh, I was in France so I was listening to Phoenix um but unfortunately for the past two months that's just had the effect of upsetting me mm. um, oh. I listened to the Arctic Monkeys and I spent two entire days uh, listening to the commentary of GorillaCricket.com yes. and watching a test match in Malahide Brilliant. dream come true How, what, did you see Jagger? I didn't Jagger was the, there the day before me okay. the most star studded uh, that my days got was uh, Brian Dobson and <gasps> David Davenpower hey. oh DVP, my god they are legends yeah, during lunch break uh Brian Dobson standing in the queue for Canara Kitchen while DDP went and got the points in. Breaking news. Lads were on it, like. Of course they were. Oh yeah. my god. Legend. Uh, right. I saw Brian Dobson on my birthday and he also shares the same birthday as me. Oh, that's <laughs> nice. He was looking Did you have a joint dumb. party? I wish. That's Next the year. dream. That is the dream. I am listening to an album called Julian- Juliana Hatfield Sings Olivia Newton-John, which okay. is very cool. Um, I think you got all you need to know from the title yeah. there. Um, I also have been listening to... Um, what have I been listening to today? I was listening to some Sybil Byer, who was a folk musician from the 70s, who just made a bunch of demos, and her son gave them to Jay Mascus from Dinosaur Jr., and the album Colour Green was released on Orange Records uh, a couple of years back. That's really cool. And I've also nationalistic. And I've also been listening to... Oh, yes, yeah, true, yeah. yeah. Colour Green on Orange Records. And I've also been listening to Zoo Ropa a lot recently. 
Okay. Which is great. I've also been listening to, actually, uh, Cocktail Twins. I've never mm. even oh, listened to... Oh, yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, I'm fan. They're great. Yeah, yeah. Um, also, I was listening to them because I listened to a really good interview with uh, Simon Raymond. Mm-hmm. The, the, who, like that, yeah. who also... He was the keyboardist, but he also is the founder of Belly Union. Mm-hmm. I didn't realise that. Yeah. Also, also, Beck produced uh, Steve Machmus and the Jicks album. Last one. Right? No, 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 no. Mirror Traffic from 2011. All right. Yeah. So it's all oh, going round and round. Many pies. All right, take us home. Uh, I'm going to take you home. I'm going to take you home. All right, guys, thank you for tuning in. I hope you liked this episode better than the usual ones. I know I did. And <laughs> we're going to uh, do the exit music now. This is a song by a band from Dublin called Bouts. The song is called Face Up, and it's the lead single from their second album, which comes out soon, called Flow. Speaking of the meaning behind the song lyrics, frontman Barry Bracken says it's a no-filter punch-in-the-air plea for staring things down and pushing on through. Some songs you write, others just materialise. This seemed boat ready. This seemed born ready, is what he said. <laughs> its immediacy excites us as much now as the first moments playing it. Capturing energy and cathartic release is something we always strive for as a band. Face Up is about that journey to letting go. And here it is. Thank you very much, guys. This is great Thank fun. You. Thank you. Calm. Thank you, Zara. You're very good. Cheers. And... <laughs> Colm, you're very what? good. Sorry. Wait, am I supposed to do something now? Oh, say that I'm never allowed back on. No, dude. <laughs> My name is David Anthony. Anthony I don't... I What? This I, has been no encore. I, there will be no encore. And... I'm not quite sure what I'm supposed to do now, but all I want to say is thank you very much for listening and good night. We face it every day without so much as a play. Behind our fronts, we all feel broken sometimes. How we respond. Giving or give out, we've no room for doubt. All free and walk, I reframe it.
This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Looking for a way to make online learning a better option for your family? When it comes to virtual learning, experience matters. Tuition-free K-12-powered schools are ready to put over 20 years of experience to work for you, giving your child the personalized learning they deserve without disruptions. With a K-12-powered school, students gain the skills they need to be prepared for their next steps in life, building a better future for each one of us. K-12, education for any one. Learn more at k12.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.